Hi, I'm Chelsea Neumeyer and I'm a time management and productivity coach. My goal is to help you go from overwhelmed to under control without a strict schedule or a bunch of productivity hacks. Each week, we'll talk about productivity mindset, actionable advice, my favorite resources, and you'll hear from guests just like you who are maximizing their limited resources. If you're anything like me, you're listening to this on the go, so check out the show notes and follow me on Instagram to learn more. Okay, let's start the episode. Hi, everyone. I just want to jump on here real quick before the episode to tell you about my group coaching program, also called From Overwhelmed to Under Control. This 12-week program is designed to help service-based solopreneurs maximize their time by creating systems and processes that work for their life and their business. Together, we'll learn to ditch the productivity guilt, design our schedules with our natural strengths and lifestyles in mind, get organized with our space, task management, and inboxes, and learn the tools you need to get more done in less time. Visit ChelseaNewmeyer.com or send me a DM to learn more. Doors open on September 15th and the program starts September 19th. I hope to see you there. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm so excited to welcome Ashley Fragomeni. She is an executive director, bonus mom, dog mom, life coach, and professional hype woman. She believes strongly in the power of women and the power of coaching to help all women become the best, most confident versions of themselves, both inside and outside of the boardroom. She also loves tacos, reading, hiking, and being in bed by 9.30. Ashley and I have had our paths crossed for years, and so it's been so wonderful to reconnect and get to know you as a business owner and then our time overlapping in the nonprofit space. So thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Awesome. So I know I just read your bio, but I'd love to hear in your own words about all of the awesome things that you do. Yeah, sure. So, you know, my love for nonprofit and, you know, really making an impact on people started when I was in college. I had originally wanted to be a a high school history teacher. I majored in history and then I kind of started substitute teaching and I was like, nope, this isn't it. But my love for kids and, and impacting families and communities was still there. So I started in nonprofit and quickly found that I had, I I was good at it. I was good at being flexible. I was good at many hats as you have to do a nonprofit and all the things. So I got to a point in my career early on where I said it's time to leave New York state and see what else I'm capable of. And that's when I landed in New Orleans. And what was really neat about my time with the YMCA in New Orleans is that I really got to try a lot of things out because it was the first time in my career where I was stepping into a position that had not existed previously. So we were opening a building. And for me, I can say, um, as a coach, I'm one of those people that's always saying, can you point back to a moment when it changed for you? Can you think back to a moment when things, you know, got hairy or, you know, or when they got clear, you know? And so for me, when I think about the trajectory of my career, it was my time in New Orleans that I point back to and having the opportunity so young to not step into someone else's shoes and figure it out, but step into a brand new position and figure out who I wanted to be as a leader and as a community activist and all of the things, that's that's where everything started for me. That's where I became who I am today. So, you know, fast forward a few years and a, a lot of different positions and the opportunity to do a lot of really you know, fun things and experience what stress is like and experience what life is like. COVID happened. And I said, I really think I have an opportunity here to sit down and really think about what I can do outside of essentially the boardroom. And it was life coach. It made all the sense to me. It makes me feel good. It fills a bucket for me. It plays into so many different parts of my life and it makes me feel fulfilled. And I think that that's crazy to think about when you work in nonprofit that you may need something else to make you feel fulfilled. But the fact of the matter is, is I 
knew I had inside of me a little bit more to give and life coaching gave me the outlet to, to do that. So that's how I got here today. And then, yeah, you and I have crossed paths. What's cool about our journey is that it started in the boardroom. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <You know>? Literally. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it has been really cool to go from, you know, director of operations and board member to now being friends and business owners and trying to help as many people as we can. So it's neat. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. It's always nice to talk to another entrepreneur friend and the fact that we had so many crossovers just made that really, really easy. So in your life coaching business, who do you like to help? Who do you reach out to? Who's kind of your ideal client? So my ideal client is a woman who is in a point of life where they're just kind of like, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. You know, and it doesn't have to be, some, it doesn't have to be this huge new life goal that they have, but maybe it's okay. I've been in this job for a while and I want to figure out what might be next for me, or I want a promotion, or I really just want someone to look at my resume and help me talk through what an interview look, looks like. I had a, I have a client right now who, when we started working together, she wasn't sure what she wanted to do for work. And now a lot of times when we talk, we spend half the session talking about work related things and then half the session talking about, you know, who she is as a friend, you know, Mm -hmm. situations that may happen with her family and how it's so interesting to me, how the transferable skills that we started talking about in the beginning of our sessions about here are the things I like, here are the things I don't, here are the things I'm good at, here are my areas for growth. That conversation used to be just about work. And now we take that same conversation and we apply it to friendships and conversations and moments of stress and moments of feeling overwhelmed that may or may not have to do with work. So I really love the journey with a woman who's just like, I need an unbiased, you know, person to talk this out with. And that's my favorite, that's my favorite conversation is just let's talk it out. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's really what I've come to love about some of my really close female entrepreneur friends, you know, so I love that I can be that for someone else. Absolutely. I always find the difference between coaching and consulting is consulting. You're kind of telling the person what to do, right? They're going to come to you with a problem and you provide a solution for them. Coaching is really about helping them get to their own solution and helping them kind of right. unpack the things that they've been carrying or some of the stories that they're telling themselves. So Tell me a little bit more about the kind of questions you may, that was a really vague question, but the kind of questions you may ask a client when they're feeling stuck. Yeah. So I was going to say to you, like coaching is just a bunch of questions. Yeah, it really is. It's knowing what question to ask at the right time. So I really, as I mentioned earlier, I like to ask the question of, can you point back to a moment when that may have changed for you? (laughs) When a client is talking about specific stressors, I like to go back like way back, like I'm like, tell me who you were as a child, because it is always so interesting to me when someone says something about how they were an only child and they were raised around a lot of adults and now they're an adult themselves, but they find themselves being a little bit quieter and not having so big of a voice. And I'm like, well, yeah, because as a child, you were in those scenarios, but you were a child and you were basically told adults know better than you. So you were raised on this idea that like your voice kind of didn't matter because you were a kid and then you become 18 and you leave the house and all of a sudden what you're supposed to know that your voice matters. Like it's, you know, it's, so it's, it's some of those like habit forming questions and asking about who they were as a child. You know, I have a client right now who I, I love bringing it back to her childhood because when in our first session, she told me, you know, I just always kind of 
tried things and I was just pretty good at almost everything, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I had an older, I have an older brother. So I just kind of always did what he did. And I'm like, well, of course you're feeling stuck right now because your older brother is not working where you work and you're not sure what to do next because he's not telling you or he's not setting the example. Right. So it's, it's really interesting for me to ask those kinds of questions and have that perspective or mindset shift, see that in a client in a session, you know, and, and be able to, to again, point back to, oh yeah, that makes sense as to why I'm like this as an adult or yeah, I do that with a lot of my friends or, you know, I never thought of it that way. So it's, it's always interesting to ask those types of kind of deep questions that, you know, because even me, sometimes I'm like, why do I do this? And I'm certainly my first, my first thing is not to go back to like, oh, well, when I was five, you know, (laughs) but if you really sit down and you think about how you were raised, you'll find that a lot of the tendencies and the things you heard, I mean, 18 years of your life, essentially on average, you're living with your parents being raised yeah well you can't just erase that absolutely yeah those are kind of some of my favorite questions to ask because it's always an aha moment no matter what oh my gosh yeah I I had a life coach when I first started my business and it was such so great to have that outsider perspective but also someone who could really call you out like in a loving way but really kind of call you on some of again these these stories or having to unlearn some things that you from childhood or from things that you've seen at work or things that you've seen other people do, uh, unlearn some of these bad habits. And the lesson I remember most from her is actually like, you can change your mind because mm-hmm. I was always just so scared to change my mind because I thought that it like, made me look flaky or that I couldn't settle down or that I wasn't sticking to anything. It's just like, no, it's your life. You can change your mind as many times as you want. It's like, oh. right. Just needed that permission, I guess. <laughs> right. You can change your mind. And also you can be in control of your feelings and not have to justify them. Mm-hmm. Like your, your feelings and stating what they are does not always need justification because a lot of times, especially women, mm-hmm. when we try to justify our feelings, we are automatically without excusing the person that made us feel that way or the situation that made us feel that way. And so that is a really big I think confidence booster, when you get to a point in life where you're saying to yourself, these are my feelings and it's okay if they make you uncomfortable because they're my feelings and I own them and I control them. But I find that too, is just a big part of coaching has, has been helping women be in control of not having to justify why something makes them feel the way that it does. Yeah. And that's so, especially as an entrepreneur, that's such a it's such a great skill to learn or to have someone, I have a coach who's supporting you in that way, because this journey is tough and it puts you in a lot of uncomfortable situations and forces you to look at how you work and the things that are important to you with a whole new light. So right. I really appreciate the the partnership there between the life coaching and entrepreneurship and, and how well they those work together as well. Absolutely. But how do you bring some of that? Because you also are an executive director. So how do you bring yeah. some of those skills into role oh. as an executive director? So I did not think that they would run, like they would intersect the way that they do, but they do. And a lot of that is because I'm learning how to communicate with people on a different level when I'm coaching them. Mm-hmm. And then I'm having that aha moment too. Like, I wonder if this has happened to you where you're like, you're coaching someone on something and then you're like, well, why don't I do that? You know what I mean? (laughs) So, so that has been a big part 
of, of my journey to bringing my life coaching into essentially the boardroom or into nonprofit and my leadership. So I think the best parallel that I can take from life coaching and how I bring it into being an executive director is the growth that I've seen in how I define leadership. So I used to define leadership as, you know, knowing that you, you can tell 10 different people the same exact thing, but you're going to have to tell them 10 different ways. I mean, when I tell you that that's how I define leadership, I have answered that question in interviews to the 10th degree, right? Now, at who I am today as an executive director, and it's my belief that because of my life coaching certification and opportunities that I've had with life coaching, I now define leadership as knowing that if you're going to have to tell 10 different people the same thing, you have to tell them 10 different ways and you have to know why. Mm -hmm. And that is a really huge part of leadership that I have now, I think, kind of grown into. I feel it. It's a confidence that I don't think I had before. And life coaching has really helped with that because no matter if situations are similar between clients, you're talking about like not, clients not even being in the same area of the country. So it's constantly talking to someone different mm -hmm. and, and know, needing to know why they need what they need and why, why you're asking what questions you're asking them. And that has helped my leadership tremendously. I, yeah. I couldn't even put a word on it as to how much growth I've seen in myself because that definition of leadership has evolved the way that it has. Yeah. I mean, all, it's kind of a superpower to be able to understand someone's, to, not, to kind of understand their motivation behind what they do and why they do it, right? And and to be able to speak to them in a way that they understand. I mean, that's incredibly powerful. It makes them feel heard and seen in a way that makes them feel really much more confident and comfortable in their job, I'm sure. But also it's going to get the best set of them for the organization or for whatever you're trying to, to accomplish with that group right. of people. So yeah, it's kind of like a very cool superpower. Yeah. And I've <laughs> definitely had my moments too, where I've I've grown into somebody even at work who has to really own how they feel and react appropriately, right? So I, in my career, I spent a lot of time around men, mm -hmm. a lot. And there were a lot of times where I didn't feel like I could speak up or I automatically went to justifying why I felt the way that I did or any of those things. And then I had this shift recently where now I work literally with all women. And that has its own set of nuances as well, mm -hmm. you know, so I have found really probably through life coaching other clients and in the, in, again, in the moment being like, oh, I need to, I need to, you know, yeah. internalize this and take it with me that that has been a big, a big part of who I've become too. You know, as an example, I was having a conversation at work one day that was stressful. It was a stressful conversation. I was definitely growing frustrated, not at anyone, but just at the situation and I looked at the other people in the room and I said, you know what, we're going to stop here. Everyone's going to take 15 minutes and then we'll come back because I felt myself unraveling. And five years ago, I would have completely unraveled. I would have just let it all come out. You know, I would have just been frustrated and communicated how frustrated I was. And in this instance, having the confidence to say, we're going to stop here. Everyone leave and we'll all come back in 15 minutes. It was like, everyone left. And I sat there for a second. And I thought, wow, I don't even recognize me at the moment. I'm so proud of myself, but I, it really was a moment of, of like, wow, all these things that I've internalized and that I've been helping people get to their higher self through X, Y, Z exercises and questions. I can see that paying off for me too. 
Yeah, absolutely. I know that you manage a lot of different things. You got a lot going on, very busy life. And you just went on this great trip and posted about how you planned out everything in advance. And I just think that is so awesome. I was so impressed and excited because I could nerd out about that stuff all day, you know, love a good plan. Um, But I also think it would just be incredibly valuable to the audience to just hear you talk through how you set yourself up so that you could truly take a break because that is really, really hard to do for a lot of people. Yeah. So the first thing, even before the technical stuff is really making sure that you have a healthy boundary set up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for work at work for me, it's making sure that when my employees or my teammates are on vacation, I'm not bothering them, you know, not even an email, not even a text. I really utilize my calendar in that way to make sure I know when they're back. And then I'll put tasks on my calendar or I'll email myself to say, you know, catch up with Chelsea when she gets back on the 12th on these things, kind of, you mm-hmm. know, kind of email so that they're not even seeing it because we all check our email. Yeah. I mean, yep. honestly, we all do. So I don't even want anyone to see an email from me at all, even though they have an away message up. So those healthy boundaries, I think is really big because if I do that for everyone else, then I'm laying the boundary that, that I expect the same in return. So that's a really, really big piece of the non-technical aspect, but the technical aspect for me really starts like three to five weeks ahead of time, depending on how long I'm going to be gone for. And the vacation that we're talking about right now, I was gone for 10 days. So it really started around five weeks. I was really looking out because that is how far I book things out sometimes, which is wild. I never really (laughs) like thought my life would get to that point, but that's where I'm at. So, you know, I really try to look at the calendar five weeks out because if for some reason something was put on my calendar, a deadline, a meeting, you know, I don't want to be asking the person the week before I go, if we can move that, or if there's an extension or, you know, or trying to hurry up and get something in before I leave, you know, so five weeks, a five week view of what you may have do that week, or you may need to adjust. It just, it tastes a little better, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's kind of, it puts out there that you are organized and you know what you need to do to be able to take this vacation and relax and enjoy it and interrupt the good work that's being done. Absolutely. The, uh, you know, so again, so getting in touch with everybody, I think is really the bigger, the big piece of that is making sure, you know, uh, also getting in touch with people to make sure that when you're not there, someone's the point of contact. Mm-hmm. I really like to ask someone like three weeks, at least three weeks in advance, because that is kind of a big job. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be somebody that thinks their thing is a big deal. So if I'm calling an, an agency thinking my, whatever my thing is, is a big deal. And I want to talk to the executive director and she's not there, then I'm probably going to think my big thing is big with the point of contact, yep. <laughs> you know, and you want the point of contact to feel confident and comfortable, you know, in being in charge, you know, and I always, I always say to the staff that I leave as a point of contact, I don't need you to do exactly what I would do. I need you to be in tune enough with my leadership to know what I would do. And then you react accordingly because I trust you enough to put you in this position. So I just need to know that, you know, what I would do. I don't need you to actually necessarily do exactly what I would do. So having that conversation and really putting people in place to be successful while you're gone is, is a really big piece of it. So that's three to five, you know, weeks out, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also super impressed by, especially someone who has a lot of nonprofit experience is that the rest of your team is also able to think that far 
in advance. So is that something that you have just cultivated in your own team that they are thinking of, you know, that they, they have those plan set or at least can come to you and say, yeah, actually I might need you for this in, in three to five weeks. Well, I can say that I had, I was a director of operations under an executive director who was regional when I was in New Orleans. Her name is Rosemary. She now works in North Carolina. When Rosemary hired me, she, we were the only two full-time employees. And she said to me, Yeah, it was wild opening a YMCA, like in a community that had never had one, having to hire all of the staff and we're the only two full-time employees. She had said to me, one of the reasons I wanted you so badly is because your strengths are my weaknesses Mm. and your areas for development are my strengths. So like essentially we're yin and yang. And I, what that did for me at that point in my career was remind me, or maybe even for the first time really taught me that there are always people you can be learning from. And it doesn't mean that they have to have a position that's above you. And it doesn't mean that they have to have more life experience or career experience. You can learn from everyone around you. So I say that to say that now the team that I'm on is operating the way that we do. And I cannot take all the credit for it because we have a woman on our team who is one of the most organized people I have ever met. And as you you probably know this from, from your work, She's a grant writer and there's a lot of deadlines that come with that. And she is just like this powerhouse of getting things in on time, but like a week in advance on time and like making me believe that a deadline is two weeks in advance. You know, it's just, it's like (laughs) her superpower. It is amazing. And what it taught me is that you can kind of have this calm, cool, collected attitude as long as you're prepared. Yeah. So if you're constantly, and, and, you know, everyone likes to say, oh, nonprofit's different every day. It sure is. But if you're prepared for that, then you can be calm, cool, and collected through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she really is. So she taught me when I started at my current position, she really set the example of utilizing her calendar to set tasks and putting it out there so people could see what she was working on. And I don't know that she necessarily did it for anybody else, but because we calendar share, you can see it. And I was like, well, that's interesting. You know, like I don't really use my calendar like that, but then I started to, and you know, and now that was two and a half years ago. And now here we are, I can confidently say, this is how I plan for PTO. And I can do that because, you know, there's, there's the leader and then there's the first follower. Right. And mm-hmm. then once that happens, everyone kind of starts to, to do it too. And I think we, as a team being a small team and a nonprofit, that's like, you know, serving our community well, mm-hmm. I think it, those transparent conversations you know, they come to fruition whenever we need them. So I want my team to be able to take vacations and I want them to be enjoyable. I want the team to be prepared and I want them to be as calm, cool and collected as they possibly can be. And this is just one of those ways that we can do it. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And I think to your point, it really just takes one person on the team who's really kind of holding the line. And I'm sure she also shares that calendar because it's a little bit of accountability right? And when you're you're on a small team and you have to maximize your limited resources, including time, you need that accountability because everybody depends on each other so much for your work. And when you are able to be organized and plan ahead and and use your calendar that way, it can be really, really helpful for the rest of the team because then they don't don't want to be the holdup, right? No one wants to be the person who's holding up the process or holding up your programs or 
the mission of your organization. Right. So right. And that's since, awesome. And since we started doing that, I've noticed. So one thing I started is I started putting unavailable time on my calendar. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I don't want people to know what I'm doing, but there are going to be times where I need to be uninterrupted. So I started putting unavailable. And even if I work out at 6:30 or seven in the morning, I'll put unavailable on there. And it's not necessarily because I think someone's going to call me at 6:30 or seven in the morning, God forbid they needed to, like they understand why they're not going to get me. Yeah. You know, it's out there kind of thing. And I think that that has been really a, a turning point for me too, is to even just utilize my calendar in that way, where it's that transparent that like, if you call me between this hour, I probably won't answer, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that I think is, is really powerful too. Absolutely. And blocking that, that work time too, because as I'm sure, you know, you can get sucked into meetings all day long and then you have no time to actually do any work. So that's a great strategy just good practice in general to right. put that time on your calendar, just set those expectations. I said, just said to someone yesterday, yes, I'm available. I'm wide open on the 17th. And that was at maybe 10 a.m. And then she emailed me at like 4 p.m. yesterday with a calendar invite. And I replied like, sorry, now the window is two hours and this is not, this, oh, no. this invite is not in it. And it was crazy, you know, but I'm like, I feel so bad, but like, that's how quickly it can happen. Yeah. Literally within five hours or six hours, like a work day, my Wednesday went from being wide open to, to totally booked. So yeah. it's wild. But that's also, and again, a great indication and a great reason, because that happens to so many people to be thinking ahead, to be planning ahead, to be working ahead as much as you can so that when those unexpected days come up or those busy, busy days of meetings come up, you're, you're not feeling like you're scrambling at the end of the day. Right. Right. And so that actually ties really nicely back into yeah. how, how I plan out like a week ahead of time, Great. which is really making sure that my kind of re-entry is not chaotic, you know? <laughs> so if you've been gone for 10 days, you know, you, that's a lot of emails likely, you know? Yeah. And so I typically the night before I go back, I will, the only thing I'll do is I'll open my email and delete junk emails. You know, anything I don't need, I won't open anything that doesn't look like junk and I won't even open the junk. I'll literally just delete it. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a really big, a big part of it, you know, to make sure that the re-entry is good. And then a week ahead of time, I will block time off on my calendar for that first day back because that's really what, when I want to be checking in with people, I'll set up some of those check-in meetings and I'll just make sure that I'm not throwing so much on my calendar, you know, when I'm right back into it, because yes, yeah. that can make someone feel chaotic in the blink of an eye, but having a plan of attack and like, you know, a list that you can go back to, you know, is, is I think really, really important. I love a list. I love a list that you're accomplishing throughout the day. And then when you accomplish something that you, that wasn't on the list, like adding it to the list anyway, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, I love that kind of list. So having like a really solid re-entry plan is, is a big part of, I think really tackling and enjoying your PTO. Absolutely. And then I think, you know, during it, I'm really trying to be immersed in what I'm doing, recharge, relax, you know, again, for, for me in my position, I do have to be available sometimes for emergencies. And, you know, in sure. that vacation that I was recently on, we did have a situation where I had to have a couple staff people call me for a conference call. And we were kind of cracking up because it wasn't the conference call was kind of a debrief. It wasn't necessarily the handling of what was going mm -hmm. on. 
but we got laughing because the one this one staff person said to me like four times on the call i am so sorry I'm, i feel so bad and i finally said to her listen i'm sitting on the beach watching waves roll in i have taken calls from worse places you know yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll be okay you know kind of thing but, but you know it, it made me feel good that the when i needed to be on the phone was the debrief yeah. you know it wasn't the chaotic like we have to figure this out and we don't know how to like that makes me as a leader feel so good that i have a team that i can just say i know the place isn't going to burn down and i know you won't call me unless it does you know yeah. and that was that's that's always really cool too and i think being really clear about those expectations this is what you should call me for this isn't you know something that needs to to come to me via call you know text me for these things kind of thing just really laying it out there and being transparent because as much as I try to not bother staff while they're away, it is different. It is different when yeah. you're the face of it. It is different when you're at the helm and you're away and you're not in contact. And you know, there are things that come up that it's not that people can't handle them, but when you're not the one in charge, there's that thought like, do I really want to be handling this? Right. <laughs> I know that I can, but do I want to sign off on this decision? You know, and, and I always really appreciate those phone calls too, because part of being a leader is making sure your staff team knows that you, they're not alone. Yeah. Even when I'm on vacation on the beach, like you're not alone. So I really, really enjoy having a plan, you know, from a month, about a month out throughout my PTO plans and then like a re-entry plan of attack. I think it's really important. And I think it's a confidence builder and it really sets people up for success. Absolutely. That's what I was just thinking too, that it also sounds like you've prepared your team in a way that when they do call, it's not, oh my gosh, what should we do? It's, hey, I think we should do this. Do you agree? Like, is that, does that sound good to you? Right. And putting that empower, having your team feel empowered enough to come up with their own ideas, come up with their own solutions and, and present them rather than just constantly relying on you for those answers and directions is, right. like I said, it's incredibly powerful, empowering for the team. It teaches them those leadership skills and takes some of the burden off of you to have to come up with the whole you know, solution in that minute of a phone call. Cause then you can react to something instead of just, like you said, deciding what to do for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, it's important for me that people remember, and I don't think it's something that people can hear enough, but like, you're the expert in what you do. Yeah. You know, so, so I will, as your leader, as your supervisor, I'm open to you telling me what you need from me so that you can be reminded of that. Some people need to be told that. Some people need the acknowledgement. Some people don't. Some people just want to be able to, you know, run some ideas by you. Some people don't want a, a weekly check-in. Some people do, you know? So it's, it's important that we remember, and that's kind of like that fine line between imposter syndrome and just like owning what you're doing and that growth mindset is like, you're the expert. You're in the position because you were hired to do it because of all the people we interviewed, you were the best one. Mm -hmm. So there is there's power in that and there should be confidence, but especially, I think, especially women, sometimes we over question it. Was this the right thing? Am I the right person? Maybe I'm not the right person, you know? Yeah. And I think it's really digging through our organization culture, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, is this a good fit for me personally? Because the skill set is likely there if you got the job, yep. right? Like that, that's just, it is what it is. So it's the other things that you have to really think about whether or not they work for you. But ultimately I love to remind people like, I know I'm the executive director, but like, you're the expert in your area. I can't be the expert in everything. Cause that would, that would be 
strange for one person yeah. to be expert in everything. No one person is is that. So it's nice to be able to work again with with women and say, you know, we're all the experts in our fields. And what does that mean when we like become this mega transformer, you know, of of community impact? It's, it's yeah, really I love cool. it. Oh, it's so good. All right, well, I want to take a look behind the scenes on your personal philosophy around time management and productivity because I mean you're working an executive director you have your own business your husband has his own business you guys got a lot going on so can you tell us a little bit about what a typical day or week looks like for you yeah so my favorite pastime is eating dinner and then immediately saying to my husband, like, I'm going to pull up my calendar. Let's talk about what tomorrow looks like. I love to do that because it's very just, romantic, right? It just, it puts me in the right mindset. And quite honestly, like there are times, you know, there are days where I can't make dinner or I mm-hmm. won't be making dinner, you know? And, and I like him to know that ahead of time, because I don't know about your husband, but mine will like not eat dinner if, if he doesn't have enough notice that he needs to cook it. So it's really, it's, it's good for both of us in that way. But I like doing that be- at that time, like when I'm relaxed and I'm home, mm-hmm. I can look at the next day and I can wrap my mind around it. My alarm goes off at 5:45 AM. Can I hit snooze tomorrow or can I not? When am I working out? You know, what do I need to wear? You know, I'm a really big proponent of, especially at my nonprofit where all of us have our hands and literally everything all the time. I'm not wearing a business suit every day. Like it's, it's you're not going to catch me in a business suit. You're going to find me figuring out a way to make vans work with every single outfit I own. And I'm going to be comfortable because that's when I'm going to work the best. So I think about that. Like, do I need to make sure something is steamed so that I can wear it because I have this big meeting or can I wear a pair of jeans and my girl saying t-shirt and my name tag? Mm-hmm. So having my mind wrapped around that the night before is always really, really helpful for me. And then where do my clients fit in, right? So I have all of my clients are working clients. So some of them, actually, a lot of them work from home right now. I'm just thinking about kind of the, how that's changed. So their schedules are all a little bit different. So I have one client who's like, let's meet on Saturday mornings, which is great for me. It Mm -hmm. gets me up and going on Saturday morning. Right. And I have another client that likes to meet in the afternoons in the middle of the week. That could be, could be like really difficult for me sometimes. But what I've found is prioritizing that in my schedule is such a nice way to break up my work week. Absolutely. It, It really, really is because I'm filling that bucket that I need filled literally in on a Wednesday. Like it's ideal. So that's really great for me. I love having client meetings sporadically throughout, throughout the weeks. And then again, like I said, really making sure that the night before our work day, my mind is right. And I know what I'm doing and where I'm going. We have a couple different locations. So that's the other thing is I have to decide which location I'm going to and what makes sense to, I don't like to waste the time driving back and forth. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, you know, in the morning I'll, really take a look at where everyone else is going to be. And if it makes sense for me to be in one place or the other, I'll make that adjustment. But I really have learned to live and die by my calendar because it really, and not in a way that I'm like, oh gosh, I can't do that. I could never move anything on my calendar, but just from a mindset, from like getting my mind right and attacking the day, it's super, super helpful to to use my calendar the way that I do. And then being flexible throughout the day is, it's not just a nonprofit thing. Like that's just a life thing. Right. Yeah, that's actually my next question <laughs> always is where does flexibility show up? Because that's the whole yeah. point, right? Anyone who's trying to hold on to these like rigid schedules and you say like live and die by the calendar, which absolutely, but the calendar is always changing. That is a moving target. 
And so I'm so happy you, you brought the flexibility piece up because I think that's so important too, to help other entrepreneurs and people in business understand how they can be flexible in their schedule. Yes. Yeah. I think flexibility is such an underrated skill, right? Like I think people, including myself have always just put, Oh, I'm flexible on my, you know, on my resume. Like I'm a flexible leader. It's like, you'll find out just how flexible you are. Once you become a business owner, once you get that promotion, once you become a mom, once you become a dog mom, once your husband owns a business and it's just, it's wild. Like I, every day I think to myself, I'm a little bit more flexible than I was yesterday. And I think that that's really important. And the fine line and the boundary within flexibility is not being taken advantage of and not, you know, not running yourself ragged. Like no is a complete sense. Yeah. I, you know, I love reminding myself of that. I don't take on everything. I've found ways to delegate things at work. Like when I get invited to an event, maybe, maybe I've already been to two that month. And maybe this is a great opportunity for someone else to go to an event. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be the face of every single thing and, and, feeling confident in the staff team and the teammates that I have to be able to say like, yeah, you take this one is really great too. You know? So I think flexibility and boundaries are a nice little hand in hand situation. Yeah. They have to go together. Cause actually I had a great conversation with a client once too, who was, she talked about being flexible, but it was crossing that line of, you know, a client would come to her and say, can we do this thing at this time? And she would just say yes. And so then she would be scrambling and trying to squeeze it all in and make everybody happy. And then everybody ended up kind of not happy because she was running late or showing up a little frazzled or unprepared. And when we were coaching, it was about like that same thing, that boundary of you can give them a time that works best for you. Like you talk about having like that blocked off work time on your calendar. And perhaps when someone says, Hey, I'm so sorry, I really need to reschedule. Happy to here's what times I'm available. Right. And it's not a, it's not a free for all on your calendar where people can take up your time. You have the flexibility to be able to reschedule. You have the flexibility to squeeze in things where you need to, but knowing that, like you said, you can say, no, that doesn't work for me. Right. Not feeling really all that bad about it because you have to protect your work and your time. Yeah. And you want to protect the version of you that people are getting. Yeah. Right. Especially if it's work-related or, or, your family. One of the habits that I've picked up over time is, you know, I have a nice, like solid 35 minute ride home, but it's usually during some sort of rush hour. So it's not that decompressing. So I have started this habit of when I pull in the driveway, like I will sit there for five or 10 minutes and maybe I'm on my phone. Maybe I'm just listening to music. Maybe I'm just doing nothing but sitting there. But I really try to decompress before I walk in the house because I want my family to get the best version of me. I don't want them to get the chaotic, stressed out version that may exist because I just sat through rush hour traffic and I got to make dinner and I got to get ready for tomorrow and all the things. It's the same thing at work. I'm not going to always say yes, because there's no possible way that everyone could get the best version of me if I'm not going at my own pace. So that's a really important piece, I think, of confidence that I, I wish people knew they had more control over. Yeah. You have control over the version of you that shows up. So you get to decide if you say yes and you show up like frazzled, there's no one to blame really, but yourself. So you have to be able to look back and like debrief on the situation and say, what could I have done differently? How can I make sure this doesn't happen again? What do I need? And then the next bigger step that people really, I think, struggle with until they, they get comfortable with it is asking for what that is. Yeah. So if you're not the one in charge and you need buffer time between the meeting, or you need more things to be virtual and not in person or vice versa, then you have to ask for those things. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I laugh 
all the time. I, so I just always go back to like, it's a mechanical pencil, right? I say that to myself because when I got to New Orleans, it was the first time that when I started at a position, someone said to me, what kinds of office supplies do you want? And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't, I don't know. No one's ever asked me gosh, that. Gosh, that, that in the weeds, huh? <laughs> right? And I was like, uh, mechanical pencils? And she was like, mechanical pencils? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. And she goes, okay. And so, you know, I, every couple months, like I would need more mechanical pencils or more lead. And it was like this specialty item. And then I thought to myself, like, I got to a point where I, I said to the woman that was ordering them, I'm like, thank you so much for always making sure I have these pencils. And she's like, well, they make you happy. Aww. And I was like, you know what? They do make me happy. And, and I like to write with mechanical pencils over than any, you know, instead of any other pencil. And I really don't like to write in pen until I have to, you know, so I was, I've carried that with me because I'm like the time I need between meetings or me being able to say, no, like it's my mechanical pencil. It, it makes me happy and it makes me better at what I do. And that's okay. You know, oh, so that's such a great story. Uh, I love it. Yeah. So just like being comfortable with who you are and what you need is such a huge part, I think of our own personal success. Oh, so good. So, so good. I mean, people could, as I always learn a lot every time I talk to you, it's such, such been so much fun. Like I said, to get to know you and, and see you yeah. in all these different positions. And as we wrap up, I have a couple fun rapid fire questions, but before sure. that, I want people to know where they can find you. You make really awesome reels. So how can people oh, get in touch with you and follow along with your journey and all of the awesome advice you share? Yeah. So my Instagram is coach Ash frag. So at coach underscore Ash underscore frag. And that's, that's really the best place to find me. You can send me a DM there or my email is afragcoaching at gmail.com. Super simple. And I, you know, I'm looking forward to starting any conversation that anyone wants to have. Perfect. And it'll all be in the show notes as well. So make sure you, you follow along and reach out because you're awesome. All right. Rapid fire questions. Are you a morning person or a night person? I'm a morning person because I, I got to be in bed by 930. <laughs> I actually fell asleep at 930 last night, which like never happens. So Did it feel so awesome? It felt so good. Yeah. All right. Pen and paper or all digital? I guess pencil uh, paper and paper and for mechanical you. Pencil, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Paper and mechanical pencil all day, but my paper has to be spiraled and, it, and I prefer the spiral notebooks with the spiral on top. All right. All right. I love that. And what is your favorite way to relax? I love to read. I love to read and I love to hike. I think being in the woods is like the most relaxing thing. My yeah. husband and I just started off grid camping recently and we are just loving it. So cool. it's a really great way to remember that you really don't need everything that you have. You just want it. You actually can survive quite a few days without running water and, you know, and electricity. So <laughs> good for you. Uh, I know it's not for everybody, but being in nature, I think is, is really a big, a big part of how I relax and reconnect with myself. Oh, wonderful. Well, this was awesome. Thank you yeah. so much. It's been such a pleasure. I think you, you shared a lot of wonderful pieces of information. So I hope people found a lot of value in our conversation and maybe we'll have you on again, because like I said, I feel like we could talk for days and you have a lot of great stuff to share. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Giles. This was great. Thank you for enjoying another episode of From Overwhelmed to Under Control. I hope you're feeling one step closer to your goals. Don't forget to check out the show notes and follow along on Instagram at Chelsea and Coaching. I look forward to talking to you soon.